This is Top Floor, episode 117. You can find the show notes at topfloorpodcast.com forward slash episode forward slash 117. Top Floor with Susan Berry. This weekly podcast ride up to the top floor features tangible tips and excellent stories from the experts and characters who elevate hospitality. And now your host and elevator operator, Susan Berry. Welcome to the show. When I am describing top floor to someone new, I often say that our show is an inch wide and 500 miles deep, meaning that we only talk about hospitality, but we talk about everything in hospitality, every single facet. My guest today, John Chernesky, has taken a similar approach to his career. John has gone 500 miles deep into the metaphorical one inch of the cruise business from designing ships to managing hotel services to leading sales and a whole bunch of other things that we'll talk about. As Senior Vice President of Sales for Norwegian Cruise Line, John is responsible for sales and marketing throughout North America. Today, we are going to talk about why cruises freak people out and how the crew bar is a ship's version of the loading dock. But before we jump in, we need to answer the call button. The emergency call button is our hotline for hospitality professionals who have burning questions. If you would like to submit a question, you can call or text me at 850-404-9630. Today's question was submitted by Chantel. And I think this is such a good question. She says, I am looking for hacks to avoid three things. Seasickness, jet lag, and traveler's sickness. Any ideas? So listen, I feel like we should just reach into our bag of tricks and give Chantel some suggestions for all three of those things. What do you think, John? I love it. These are three fascinating topics, and I may be able to help with maybe two of them. Same. So jet lag, let me start there. The key for me is, especially if I live in Los Angeles, if I'm going to Europe, when you get there, don't take a nap. Don't go to bed. Force yourself. Stay active. Get on your feet. Push through the evening hour. It's so hard to do that. Everyone says that and it's impossible. It's 100% true. Oh, and the you other thing, feel like when you a get crazy on the plane, person. when you get on the plane, be ready to go to bed. Let's assume you're taking an evening flight. Don't have the meal and the drink and the, no, teeth brushed, ready to go nighty night <laughs> as soon as the flight takes off. And that will give you at least a few hours. And then when you get to your destination, Put the comfortable shoes on and just walk. Force yourself to walk. All right. I think that's good advice. I did read something about a Navy SEAL nap helping with jet lag. So that's when you lay on the floor and elevate your legs like over the side of a couch or maybe a bed if you if it's not too high um, and take like an eight to 10 minute power nap. Supposedly, that's very rejuvenating. My husband is able to pull that off. I never have before. What do you got for seasickness? Well, a couple things. Number one, it is true that if you are inside and you can't see the horizon line, you're going to have some issues. So make sure your mind can see, your, your eyes can see, and your mind can adjust to 
the horizon and where you're supposed to be. If you just block everything out, it's like being on a roller coaster for some people. I don't recommend it. Um, the more central you are on the ship and lower, the less movement you will feel. The higher up you are on a big ship and the more you are forward or aft, front or back, uh, the more you will feel it. So again, go into the middle of the ship, see the sight line, drink some ginger ale, add some whiskey to it if that helps. That's what I would recommend. <laughs> and off you go. That's really good advice. I've only been seasick once. And it was only, of course, after I was bragging about how I never get seasick. So that was really cool. I enjoyed yeah, it a lot. First yourself. Um, and then I went on a boat this summer and I was so nervous that I like that I'm now a person who gets seasick. So I took Dramamine, Dramamine non-drowsy yeah. non and did not experience even a twinge. So I don't know if it was the uh, placebo effect from taking the medicine or I'm just over it or what, but I would suggest that one too. As for your last part of your question, Chantel, I'm afraid that you're going to have to figure that one out on your own because I do not have any ideas and I don't think John does either. What is it? Traveler's sickness? I don't even know what that is. Um, used to be referred to as Montezuma's Revenge. Oh, yeah. Well, I would wash my hands regularly. I would be careful what I eat depending on the country I'm at and preferably bottled water. All good advice. I agree yeah. wholeheartedly. It is wild to me, but you started working at Princess Cruises two months after college graduation and stayed there for almost 30 years. How in the world did you manage that? Well, it was an amazing journey through multiple departments. And I would say it was a great culture and a great family environment, the people I was working for. And every time I changed my job, it felt like I was working for a new company because I was learning something that I clearly did not know. I started in the hotel services department. I was then a kind of a, a executive assistant project manager for a very high-powered guy who was um, instrumental in my career, wonderful person. And that's how I got involved in designing shifts. And by the way, I'm a marketing major in college, not an <laughs> able architect, not an interior designer. So when I say I'm designing shifts, I am not actually designing the shifts. I am project managing that process. I learned AutoCAD. Yes, I was involved in some ideas here and there, but thankfully, professionals were involved in designing the ships. <laughs> I was just there to help the process. There are a couple of roles that you had that match up to the work done in the world of hotels, hotel services that you just mentioned, and onboard revenue. But they sound like, I think, different things than they are, at least to outsiders. Can you describe what those two jobs are? Well... Hotel services is literally, we would say we're like a floating hotel. And so we had the front desk, we had housekeeping, we had all those functions, storekeeping. I was involved uh, in kind of boring stuff of inventory control for all the consumable items essentially on a ship at the very start of my career. Thankfully, that didn't last long because that was pretty boring. The onward <laughs> revenue side of it was pretty cool because think of all the ancillary revenue that goes into a cruise ship environment where you have the bar, the shore excursions, photography, casino, art, that kind of stuff. I was involved in overseeing some of those business units and never the same day twice because you're dealing with six, seven lines of business that all have their own demands. And, uh, and at the end of the day, trying to not nickel and dime the guest on board and make it a good experience. That's what you're there for. I want to ask a little bit more about the casino part because I forgot about the fact that there are casinos on cruise ships. So yeah. for casino hotels... They, 
this may not be as much the case anymore, but it's pretty well known and thought that they give hotel rooms away in order to lure people to the casino. That can't be the same in cruises, right? So for the most part, no, but there are definitely casino programs that every cruise line operates. Every cruise line that has a casino is looking for big gamblers. And those gamblers know that they're there because they are... When I say there, I mean they're there on the company's dime. And that does actually happen. So you can have people that have earned a free cruise uh, or a discounted cruise, depends on their, their level of play, much like going to the top suite in Vegas, that they will be brought in because... They enjoy gambling and, you know, at some point they might lose money. Some point they might win money. And all I can say, Susan, is that having overseen casino operations for a while, and again, I'm not an expert in that. I relied on the experts. I just help keep the business going. Is that the more I know about the casino, the less I gamble. That's so hilarious. I think almost everyone who has ever worked in a casino feels exactly the same way. It's really interesting that high rollers can get a free cruise. I would not have thought of that, but. Sounds like an excellent way to lose some money. You also worked in entertainment services. Is that how you became best friends with Martin Short? Oh, my goodness. Martin (laughs) Short, what a dear man he is. And we can tell that story in a minute. But no, I I got into entertainment through kind of a weird channel. Again, I'm not an expert in that. I was doing everything from negotiating satellite contracts or movie deals for broadcasting on the ships. Uh, I then got into the kind of daytime activities and programs, kids programs, enrichment, guest speakers, uh, various partnerships. That was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed that side of it. I was not the nighttime guy, the big production shows and the guest entertainers and the rock bands and all that. That was not me. Uh, I was more the daytime uh, person. But um, yeah, it was fun. It was a cool job. I think that sounds like so much fun. I think I would love to do that. I don't know. All of the stuff that you've said, it sounds so interesting to me. Maybe I need to have a 19th chapter of my career on a cruise yeah. ship. Um, So that would be pretty weird because I have never been on a cruise. And quite honestly, I'm not sure that I want to. I have a little bit of fear or... Version. I'm not exactly sure what it is, but I think a lot of people are like me and have some misgivings, most of which I bet are wrong. Can you talk about what are some common misconceptions about cruising? First of all, to set that record straight, I've worked in the cruise industry for almost 32 years now, and I've never been on a cruise. I hate cruising. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I've been on a lot. I've traveled the world. I have twin boys that are 17. And I say that they're 17 years old and they've already been on 14 cruises. Holy mackerel. So do the math. They've been pretty spoiled as uh, my wife and I, as parents, to see the places like Japan, French Polynesia, Alaska, Caribbean, Mexico, Hawaii. We've been to some really cool places. And I think you don't know what you don't know until you get out there and you, you tend to hear, oh, this could be a negative because... Uh, maybe you think you're going to be seasick. The reality is most people don't get seasick. And the drama means, the patches, the things you can wear, they really do help. Um, and also, I wouldn't recommend your first cruise be a 122-day around-the-world trip. I would probably start small. <laughs> and the, the size of the ships, for the most part, that we have today and the stability that they have compared to ships of yesteryear are significantly better. Sometimes you don't even realize you're on the ocean. Uh, it's that smooth. Um, I think people have the impression that, well, it's a big ship. There's a lot of people. I don't like people. 
And I got to be honest, Susan, the older I get, the less I like people. Just a general statement. Um, but I tell you what, you find that even on a big ship with a lot of people, you, there's the way they're designed is really clever. You can find those quiet places and never feel like you're overwhelmed with um, people kind of getting uh, in your face. It's really uh, everybody finds their own path on a ship, I like to say. And it's all about the destination. And that's the beauty of cruising is that you can go to Europe and see five different countries in 10 days and literally unpack once and the convenience of what you're going to get to see, you just can't beat it. So I get that there's misgivings about it. Um, sickness. Let's bring up a negative topic. Oh, you're going to, you're going to get a um, norovirus, which is only on cruise ships. No, the reality is the vast majority of norovirus cases take place ashore in hotels, in hospitals, in nursing homes. Uh, we as a cruise industry are the only a uh, group that actually has to report that to USPH through USPH and the CDC. So it's public information, which is great, but nobody else has to. So we, we have oh, this wow, transparency problem. Crazy. Yeah. We, we, we kind of have this bad stigma that um, is unfortunately out there, but like I say, wash your hands, don't put your fingers in your mouth. You'll be fine for the most part. Okay. So you said that your sons have been on 14 cruises in their 17 years of life. Mm -hmm. How many cruises have you been on? Could you even count? Uh, I don't know. I've lost count because a lot of them have been work trips where I'm on a conference and I'm there for a few days or I, I, I tend to, and I've lost count of the vacations. I would probably say before we had our boys, we probably did. I know we did quite a few. It's probably got to be 25 cruises in total good grief so does your family ever like beg you to not have to go on a cruise <laughs> do they get tired of it or is it just so fun and awesome that you can't shake it no they they love it and we've done a combination of vacation we try and take a vacation every summer uh given that we have our boys and we realize at some point they're going to be really sick of us and never want to go on a vacation with us again but uh we've done some great land resort trips as well. So we balance it out. But my boys love cruising. You know why? The food. The <laughs> food. They love Because to eat. it's unlimited. Yeah. It's it's and it's really good quality. It's fantastic. Uh the opportunities that are out there. So for those that like food and and the value proposition of going to a land resort and paying those breakfast, lunch and dinner checks versus going on a cruise where it is mostly included, uh you can't beat it. I really wish that you hadn't brought that up. So we're recording this close to my dinner time. Mm. And now I'm just envisioning in my mind like buffet tables piled with lobster tails. And I'm really hungry, John. So let's hope that my stomach growling does not make it onto this recording because that would be super embarrassing. Um, this is a little bit more serious of a question. What are some of the disruptors that the cruise business has faced? I'm thinking about my hotel career, which is almost as long as your cruise career, even though you are a lot older than me. Um, I would say that the two most disruptive innovations have been the online travel agencies coming to the forefront and really taking over the booking process. And then the the way that Airbnb has popularized vacation and short-term rentals and made them much more accessible for everyone. Are there things like that that have happened in the cruise industry that maybe I or other people wouldn't know about? 
Well, funny enough, I would say both of those have an impact on cruising. Um, the Airbnb side of it is it's another vacation option. At the end of the day, oh, cruising okay. is a vacation experience. And we are competing against people not using their vacation time, which is the worst thing ever, right? Please use your vacation. Taking a, a staycation and staying at home, those are the top two that are things that drive me personally crazy because I would say, get out and see the world. That's what it's all about. Yes. Um, and so the Airbnb, which is a very successful business, is another option, much like all-inclusive resorts, which came on heavy in uh, during the pandemic because cruising was restricted from returning to operation, whereas you could fly to Mexico and go to an all-inclusive like four weeks after COVID hit. I may be exaggerating the timing, but you know there wasn't a ton of uh, restrictions that they had. And so people have been kind of distracted by that. Same with Airbnb. The online travel agency you mentioned. So there are there are what we call OTAs that are still out there and they serve a very valued uh, purpose for us. So they, at, at one point, they were perceived to be a disruptor for the cruise industry and they have settled into kind of the new norm of one of the available um, channels to to purchase a cruise product. Unlike a hotel, though, no disrespect to my hotel colleagues such as yourself, but a cruise is a very complicated, relatively speaking, vacation experience because there are many moving parts to it. It's not, oh, we're going to go to this town and stay there for five nights and get a hotel and a rental car and you're done. A cruise typically involves getting on a plane to go someplace, not always, but often. Um, what are we going to do when we get there? If there's just this uncertainty that that's why when I work with travel agents now called travel advisors, they offer such great value because they are handholding their clients through that booking experience. An OTA doesn't have that same level of service because they're really catering to people that kind of know what they want, right? Or they're buying maybe a three or four day cruise um, experience. So it really kind of depends on on the consumer. Got it. I don't think I would have realized that you could buy a cruise on an OTA. Sure. Um, sure. I I know that Media, you don't want to... You know, is a big seller of travel. and But I tell you what, the most successful travel agents I work with have an online presence. You go online, but then you're talking to a travel advisor mm -hmm. about your trip. Because are you traveling with friends or family? Is it a multi-gen trip? Do you want to do a pre or post stay? What do you want to do on board? All those kind of things that the travel advisor will help you with. In a recent survey, someone who I did not pay to say this said that Top Floor is a must-listen for hospitality people, insightful, funny, informative, with amazing guests. Someone else said, I listened to one and now I am becoming addicted. I also did not pay this person. And yet another person called the show an entertaining interview offering tricks, learnings, anecdotes, and heartwarming tales from hoteliers. No money changed hands for that one either. Here's my point. Somebody somewhere likes listening to Top Floor. And if you are not sharing this show with your friends and colleagues, you are really doing them dirty. I truly appreciate every minute you spend listening to Top Floor and would be really thankful if you would follow the show wherever you listen. 
We like to make sure that our listeners come away from each and every episode of Top Floor with some practical, specific ideas and tips they can try either in their businesses or their personal lives. What are the biggest mistakes you see people make when they go on a cruise? Oh, I think the first one is overpacking. And like your Kate Winslet in Titanic, which is a bad <laughs> reference for the cruise industry, I realize, but walking up with the steamer trunks and the hat boxes and all that, it's like, although I will say people have learned that checking luggage on a flight is not always the smart thing to do. Typically on a cruise, you're going to pack bags, so you're going to have to, but uh, packing light and and not worrying. You're not at a fashion show. You don't need to have six outfits a day, right? So I would say packing is one, and the other is just because there's all the food in the world in front of you doesn't mean you have to eat all of it. Like pace yourself. It's okay. So not, and I'm <laughs> here. I am the guy who by seriously at the end of the cruise, three desserts a night. I'm having breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Like sixteen thousand calories a day is not healthy. <laughs> so you don't have to do that. But I I typically end up doing it. I understand. So at a time when most people stay in jobs an average of about four years, Mm -hmm. what are some possibly counterintuitive benefits of a long tenure? Well, I think it all starts with, do you like the people you work with? And do you like the culture of the company and what it represents? And I think that's what, for me, was so fortunate during my career uh, starting with Princess, that it really was a family environment. We all, I never even thought of wanting to leave. Um, I'm six months into the job now at Norwegian Cruise Line, and I feel like I've been there three years. Like, I, it's a really good group of people that I enjoy working with, that I'm intellectually stimulated by, that we're supportive of each other. There's no soap operas going on behind the scenes. So that kind of stuff makes it easy, and you you don't want to leave. So I have no. Unless you're offering me a job here today, Susan, I have no uh, desire to leave. I really enjoy it. Well, consider my offer letter rescinded then, and we'll just move right along. I think this might be a silly question, John, but you know I have never been on a cruise before. So is it seasonal? I mean, obviously, there's seasonality to the destinations, but you know, in hotels and resorts... You are open 365 days a year. So even when it's the bad season for whatever location you're in, you're still trying to sell hotel rooms. But do ships just not cruise in the off-season or how does it work? Uh, It's an interesting question. And the reality is that no, just like hotels, cruises are always operating. We always have uh, cruises for sale. Ships might take a little break during what's called a dry dock period where there's some refurbishments or upgrades that take place. But for the most part, there are definitely peak seasons, like you say. The summer, when people are on vacation typically or kids are off school, the holiday periods, spring breaks, those are definitely the peak seasons. Um, And our ships are going to travel and go to the places during... You're going to go to Alaska in the summer, not the winter, for a reason. Um, (laughs) But I also say, look at the trends of Europe. It it used to be Europe, uh, when we cruise the Med, let's say, you would do it from May through September. Now it's like March through October, November, even December. And if you aren't limited on vacation to when your kids are on or off school, I would recommend going to those places in those 
off-peak periods because you're going to see a very different um, side of that that destination than you will in August when everyone is there. Um, and so, yeah, uh, it's it's funny how the 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 sun and the, the daylight during the day and the weather and all that is just going to drive everything. But no, we're we're a twenty four seven operation. Cruises don't stop. Got it. We have reached the fortune telling portion of our show. So now's the time that you're going to predict the future. And then I will come back and tell, grade you on a scale of oh. one to 10 on how accurate you are. Um, what's a prediction that you have about the future of travel advisors? Well, I think people have been predicting the demise of the travel advisor for about 30 years now. And now the big question is, what will AI bring to that future? And I see that at the end of the day, travel advisors aren't going anywhere. I don't think they ever will, even with AI. And there are others that will disagree with me on this, but I, I've been wrong once or twice before. But I truly believe that it's all about service and the people feeling special, people getting their questions answered and and creating an experience that is memorable. If you could wave a magic wand and change one thing about the way Americans travel, what would it be? Oh, boy. <laughs> Besides eating too much at the this buffet. A, you already said easy. that. Now, this is specific <laughs> to Americans. Oh. Well, you know, I travel a lot and I see that... There's a there's a stereotype of the unruly American, especially in a foreign country, uh, and that does exist, unfortunately. So I would just hope that waving that magic wand, we can be a little more, I don't know, understanding, empathetic of the culture we're in. That just because we are an American and you're in Japan, guess what? There's a different culture there. But I will say this: nine times out of ten, the people I'm seeing are loving it, and so it's 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 the minority that are kind of giving us a bad rap. It's like the people who put reviews on TripAdvisor that are like uh, one star. It rained the whole time we Thank were there. You. I mean, like okay. I, I just heard the expression <laughs> of "pack your patient pants." Uh, pack your patient <laughs> pants and just be tolerant and enjoy the trip and enjoy the culture. And guess what? If it rains every day. It's up to you to have a good time. You'll figure it out. A hundred percent. What is next for you and what's next for your company? Oh, me personally, uh, I just need to get a lot of work done and meet some deadlines and um, you know, make sure my team is happy. Um, I have started a book project um, that relates to uh, my father, who was a naval officer. He passed away over 20 years ago. Unfortunately, at a very young age due to cancer, but he was a captain of a battleship. And so I spent the last year interviewing people that worked with him throughout his career. And the book's about leadership. How can you become a better leader? And so I got to finish that. I, I have all the material and the interviews done, but I need to put it together. So personally, uh, write the book. I also want to make sure my kids graduate from high school in the next couple of years and they go off to college, hopefully not an expensive <laughs> one. Uh, that would be great. Those are personal goals of Excellent. Now we will speak this book into yeah, existence, right? Okay, folks, before we tell John goodbye, we are going to head down to what we used to call the loading dock, but today we're going to call the crew bar, where all of the best stories get told. Going down. John, what is a story you would only tell me 
at the crew bar. So this relates to uh, an old boss of mine who I won't name, who worked in cruising years ago before they were owned by big public companies. And there is something about the ocean, the fresh salt air, where people become pirates. And the stories that he would tell me about, let's call it entrepreneurship, where you have a bar, and this is before, in today's day, you, everything's charged to your folio. You don't, there's no cash on board. Everything gets charged to your room. Mm-hmm. They, this was a cash environment on board years and years and years ago. Somebody went, bought a cash register into a bar and created their own revenue stream of just selling the booze that had been bought by the company. Wait, the bartender brought their own cash register? Yeah, and they were just stealing from the company. <laughs> How did nobody notice the well, cash register sitting there? They did eventually, but it took got a it, while. Got it. The other story was this is before casinos were even on some ships. Let's say they brought their own roulette wheel on board and were their own house money. Yeah, they created oh a casino. God. So these stories of just absolute piracy, let's call them, <laughs> is, is, is a book that needs to be written and a movie that needs to be made because it was absolute mayhem. The inmates were running the asylum, uh, but people had a great time. I'll tell you that and much. And so was the captain like in on the deal, do you think? Uh, I would never want to assume anything illicit about a leader of a team, but I'm going to say they were all in on it. That there was. I mean, a they lot had of... to be right. Like oh, that's yeah. too big of stuff was... to pull off in secrecy. Yeah, they were all getting a taste of it. And I keep in mind, this is fifty something years ago, so the statute of limitations is worn off. And what's going to get involved <laughs> to this? Uh, but let's just say there's a lot more accounting controls and discipline on board today than there ever has been. Uh, so those days are gone. But uh, <laughs> it was fun hearing about them. It was way before my time. So nobody's going to find the secret roulette wheel down like where the crew hangs out? Uh, no promises. I can't tell you that. <laughs> the crew bar area is a very different uh, part of the ship. No, it's it's a great place for the, sh- the crew to relax. They, they've worked hard, so they need a chance to unwind. But no, those days are gone, unfortunately. No more roulette wheels. I got to tell you, I have a fascination with pirates and criminals. So I'm a little bit disappointed. Well, John Cherneski, thank you so much for being here. I know that I got a lot of good information about cruises. And our listeners also got great tips. I really appreciate you riding up to the top floor. My pleasure to be here, Susan. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening. You can find the show notes at topfloorpodcast.com forward slash episode forward slash 117. Jonathan Albano is our editor, producer, and all-around genius. He even wrote and performed our theme song with vocals by Cameron Albano. You can subscribe to Top Floor on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen. And your rating or review will go a long way in helping us give you more of what you like. Thanks for listening to the Top Floor Podcast at www.topfloorpodcast.com. Have a hospitality marketing question? Reach us at 850-404-9630 to be featured in a future episode. 